Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. I'm going to recall something that happened to me in Glenn Hankins son's church in North Carolina. And this was pre-COVID. I was teaching on the subject of prayer for those that don't know Jesus Christ. And when I did so, I got an overwhelming sense of the fact that there are people who do not know the Lord, that not a single person on the face of the earth is praying for them or, or has ever prayed for them. His son-in-law, Rich, was running the service's daughter. Um, what's your daughter's name again? Paula. And they were running the service, and I just stopped the service for a moment, and I said, I just have a sense of somebody a few suburbs over that right now there is not a soul praying for them, and they're in desperate need. So as we're talking about Benny moving into a place of intercession in the fact that the Lord has not only employed him, in Sushi Train. Sushi Train is his mission field. That's where God has called him. And you know that when we're called into places of business, those are divine assignments. If you understand that under heaven, God can place us in a place where we can impact in that setting. But you know, many people have this story that they can say, you know, my auntie prayed for me. My grandma prayed for me. You know, somebody prayed for me. I met a friend who was praying for me. But there are some people, and I'm going to tell you, in this nation of Australia, there are probably many, many people, because there's so many families that don't have their roots in faith that no one has ever, ever prayed for. And so we're going to share some secrets to supernatural soul winning, where we're going to introduce the power of prayer evangelism in our world, in our marketplace, in our places of work, of work. But I'd like to share this scripture with you. And it's from Psalm 142, verses 4, from the King James Version of the Bible. And I'm going to read it to you as if somebody who's not born again has, um, uh, is saying this. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I looked on my right hand. Just, just imagine the lost. I looked on my right hand and beheld. There was no man who would know me. Refuge failed me. Why? Because no man cared for my soul. We're going to introduce to you this evening in this final session a project for Rama Family Church for the next three months. Our next seminar is three months from now. And you should have in your hands an evangelism revolution gospel toolkit. If you don't have one, I can imagine we can get some from the back, whoever was on the doors. If you could get one, everyone needs a copy of this because we're going to uh, have a project for Rama Family Church. And the pastors in the front don't have one. Does anyone else not have any? Okay, everybody has one. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine this? What would happen 
if for the next three months the Lord puts people on our hearts that don't know the Lord, and as a, as a church and as individuals, we begin to pray fervently. The heartfelt prayers of a righteous man, uh, our woman, child, or teenager will make what available tremendous power to break the power of darkness, to pull the veil off of their eyes. We want to engage and impact our generation in, uh, and in our season, the season of the spirit on the earth. Let's start in prayer. This little, this little toolkit here is a prayer list. And, and just for a moment, we're going to give you just a few moments. This is, not, this is like Benny was talking about. This is, not, this is not scattershot stuff. This is not hit or miss. I want you to, and, and if you could turn some of that inspirational music on that we talked about, uh, uh, Kurt, not the uh, hot stuff, but the uh, prayer music. I want you to ask the Lord this evening, and we're going to take a few moments. Who is he calling you to pray for? Now, this is not someone in your family that's wayward. This is not someone that's in a believer that's got a financial problem. These, this is someone who doesn't know the Lord. This project is for that. The other prayers are very, very valuable. But this evening, who's the Lord putting on your heart? I want you to write their name down. I want you to, I want you to just do what Benny said. Go into your heart. The Lord's going to give you specific names. I want you to write them down. You might know, know, know somebody's name. It might be neighbor lady. It might be the guy at the pizza shop. Emily, the pastors need a pen too. I'm not trying to embarrass him. It just makes me laugh. Right now, go to the Lord. Just like Benny was talking about. Who is he putting on your heart? It could be a relative. We're talking about people who don't know the Lord. I got it in my heart when I was introducing this to you, that some of these people that are coming to you, you're very tender about them. You care a great deal about them. Now, we all know that God does. He loves them with an everlasting, passionate love. But some of you really, really love some of these people a lot. And you ache for them. Just take a moment. Some of you are going to have names that come too quickly. Some of you, you're going to discover people over the next three months that the Lord is going to add, ask you to add to that list. You may not have known them before. We want you to journal and begin to write some things about what the Lord has done. We're believing for a revolution of revelation. We're believing that souls are going to come into the kingdom and veils are going to be broken off of minds. And people are going to pursue the things of God. Why? Because we engaged with God in the power of prayer. We're going to introduce three types of prayer this evening. Types of intercessory prayer. We've talked about being an intercessor by proclaiming 
uh, the things of God and doing acts of kindness, standing in the gap for those that don't know Jesus Christ. Then I want to introduce to you Emily. Emily is going to bring two sections, one about um, praying scripture. This is all related to the lost. This project is that we're going to be praying for three months, and we're going to see what the Lord's going to do. Emily's going to come and introduce to us praying scripture for the lost, then she's going to introduce to us speaking in tongues for the lost, and then Benny is going to introduce to you praying with our understanding, praying out things that the Lord gives us on our hearts in relationship to the lost, and then we will soon come to a conclusion. If I could turn, uh, introduce you to Emily Preston. Hello, everybody. So I'm going to give you some how-tos because there's no point giving someone a car unless you tell them how to drive it, right? So we're going to learn some how-tos in how to pray effectively for the lost so that you can put into practice all the things, the amazing things that we've just learned. So one of the ways that we can pray for the lost is to confess the word over the lost. And you might say, what does that mean? Well, the word confess is from the Greek word homologio. Homo meaning the same and logio meaning to speak. And it literally means to agree with, acknowledge, align with and say the same thing as. So when we confess the word over the unsaved people in our lives, we are agreeing with, acknowledging, aligning ourselves with and saying the same thing as God about them. So when we confess the word, we are agreeing with God about those people. And why is that important? Well, Jesus himself said that where two agree on earth as touching anything, it will be done by our Father in heaven. So we're here on the earth. God needs us to agree with him. We're agreeing with the word, the Holy Spirit's within us, and he's in agreement, so three's the majority. And God says that it will be done by our Father in heaven. Isn't that awesome? And John 6 verse 63 says that the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So when we speak the word of God over our unsaved family members, over the lost, we are releasing the spirit and the life that is contained in the word of God and it is driving out the darkness. It's driving out the darkness that is in those people's lives. So that's why confessing the word is so important. I love what God said to Reinhard Bonnke. He said, "God, the word of God in our mouth is as powerful as the word of God in his mouth. Isn't that awesome? So that's a, a little introduction to what confessing the word is. So what are the areas that we can confess the word over? Well, if you're like me, when it comes to evangelism, you might say, but I'm not an evangelist. I don't have any desire for evangelism. I don't have a passion for evangelism. I don't feel like I can be an evangelist. Well, let me tell you how to fix that. And I used to think that. And, you know, we may not be called to the office of an evangelist. So, you know, Billy Graham, Reinhard Bonnke, Karen Workentine, they are anointed to the office of evangelism. But we are all call, called to evangelism. We are all called to evangelize. And that was God's great commission to all believers to go into the whole world and preach the gospel and make disciples. And that is the great commission to all of us. 
Okay, so now you say, but how do I get to that point? How do I do that? How do I get a desire and a passion for evangelism? I know that I have to do it. God said that I have to do it. But how do I get the want to? Well, Philippians 4 verse 13 says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. What's Christ? Christ is the word. We put the word in us and we can do all those things through the word that strengthens us. We put the root in us by planting the word seed in us and the fruit will be automatic. Okay, so we can confess the word of God over ourselves to develop our heart and desire and passion for evangelism. Isn't that awesome? And so I did this. I'm speaking from experience here. I, I have a list of confessions that I declare over my life and my family and various things every day. And I just started to add confessions for evangelism, for ministry, to my daily confessions list. And I would say things like, Lord, I thank you that I am a powerful woman of God. I am anointed to take the gospel to the far corners of the earth. I am the hands, the feet, the mouth and the heart of Jesus to everybody that I encounter. And I started to agree with God about the ministry that he has called me to. And guess what? I noticed that the desire started to come. I noticed that in encounters I'd, I'd have with people during the day, of, you know, just going about my day-to-day life, that the door would open and it would just be effortless. And I'd like to share a story of an example of this. Um, dropping my kids off at school or picking them up from school, we often go to the playground that's next to the school and I was just sitting at a, a table in the park there one day and one of the mums came and sat with me and we just started chatting And she's a Hindu lady and I was just, you know, just striking up a conversation with her, asking her all about herself and her family and all that kind of thing and got onto the topic of the fact that she was a Hindu and I just said, oh, so, you know, what, what do Hindus believe? And she started to tell me about all their gods and all that kind of thing. And she said, and so, you know, what are, are, you, are, do you, are you religious or do you have a faith? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, yes, I'm a Christian and I believe in Jesus. Anyway, long story short, we got to, to um, summarize that the difference between the Hindu religion and the Christian faith is that Hinduism is all about what you can do for your God whereas Christianity is all about what God has done for us. And so I just kind of said to her, so would you like to become a Christian? And she's like, yes, I would. And I said, really? (laughs) And I, you know, went on to go through the sinner's prayer with her and she received Jesus. And from that moment forward, her eternity was secured. And you know what? It was effortless. There wasn't any sweat and, oh my gosh, what is she going to think of me? But I believe that because I'd been planting that word seed in my heart about what God has, you know, anointed all of us to do, that the doors opened and it was an effortless experience because it's not by our might or our power, it's by the Spirit of God working through us. 
Amen. So I'm, we're going to do a little activity now, and this is actually on your handouts. We're going to say what God says about us in the area of ministry and evangelism. So we're just going to take a couple of minutes to go through these, and you can take these home, and you can speak these, these amazing words from God over yourself every single day, and you watch the doors open for you. You watch the encounters that God brings across your path because he needs people to hear what you've got to tell them, okay? So I'm going to say it and you repeat it after me, all right? I am a, well, if you're a man, you say a man. If you're a woman, you say a woman, okay? I am a powerful woman of God. The Lord has chosen me and equipped me. I am anointed to minister the word of God. And the anointing abides in me. I am the body of Christ. I function effectively as the salt of the earth and the light of the world to everyone I encounter. I go into the whole world and preach the gospel to all of creation. I make disciples of all nations. And teach them the truth of the word of God. Every word that comes out of my mouth is anointed with grace and ministers grace to the hearer. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. I minister the word of God unashamedly, boldly, and with authority. I am a God pleaser. I am not a man pleaser. I do not seek praise or approval from men. I only seek God's approval. I am free from the fear of man. Everything I do, I do to the glory of God. I am a vessel for honour, set aside as holy, useful to the master, and ready for every good work. In Jesus' name. And so what you guys have just done is you've planted word seed in the ground of your heart by speaking it. And that word seed is going to grow and it's going to bear fruit. Amen? And it will be effortless. You don't see an apple tree straining to pop out an apple. It's effortless because that's what's in the root. And so when we plant the word seed of God in our heart for ministry and for evangelism, the fruit will be effortless. Amen? So the second way that we can confess the word is over the unsaved. Okay, so we've talked about confessing the word to develop a heart for evangelism, confessing the word over our unsaved family members and friends and over the lost in general. And you might say, if I pray for people to be saved, aren't I imposing my will on people? I've heard that argument before. Like we can't impose our will on people. Okay, well, let's look at what the Word says about that. Very familiar passage of Scripture, and I'm not going to read it. 
is Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13, which is the Lord's Prayer. And you all know how it goes. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, okay? Now, the most common way you hear this prayer prayed is, O Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. O Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, okay? Now, if you actually look into the original intention of this scripture, it is not a begging, pleading prayer, It is a prayer of authority. We are supposed to pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I can't take time to explain all of that now, but if you look into it in the Greek and the original language, it's actually a prayer of authority. And this is the model prayer. Do you know that Jesus told us to pray this way every time we pray, to demand his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we can demand and establish God's will for the unsaved by praying and agreeing with God about them. And we know what God's will is because we have the word of God. God's word is his will for them. And we know that in 2 Peter 3 verse 9, he says that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we know that 1 Timothy 2 verse 4 says that God desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So we know what God's will is for people, for the unsaved, but God's will does not automatically come to pass. He needs people to agree with him and declare his word over the unsaved and place a demand on the kingdom and enforce his will in their lives. And they'll be better off for it, right? So we're going to talk about how to confess the word over the unsaved, but we have to remember and this is really important, that we have an enemy that is trying to prevent God's will from being done in people's lives. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, it says, The God of this world, small g God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe so that they cannot see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. Okay, now if you imagine, Pastor Jenny gave this awesome example a couple of weeks ago, that the sun is always shining, but sometimes it's covered by clouds. And it doesn't mean that the sun's not there, that it's disappeared. It just means that it's temporarily not visible because it's covered by clouds, right? So once the clouds move, the sun is there and it's shining and it's still there. And this is what happens with the enemy, the devil. He blinds people's eyes. The light of the glorious gospel of Christ is always shining on people. It's always there. It's being preached from every voice, social media, TV, radio, everywhere. But the God of this world, the devil, has blinded people's eyes so that they cannot see it. Because you think to yourself, you know, wouldn't all people want to be saved? Well, there's an enemy and he's blinding their eyes. God's already saved everybody. Everybody on this planet is already saved. Salvation has been made available to all men. But people reject the gospel because the enemy is blinding their eyes. But guess what? We have authority over the devil And we can exercise our authority over him, over the the enemy that's blinding people's eyes. We can tell him to shut his mouth 
And then once the source of the blindness is removed, the light of the gospel is there still shining. And they'll see it and they'll receive it. So we have authority over all of the power of the enemy, including the power to blind people's eyes to the truth. And Matthew 16 verse 19 says, whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. So when we bind the enemy from blinding people's eyes, that literally means that we are forbidding him to blind their eyes. We are prohibiting him and we are declaring him as outlaw. You cannot blind those people's eyes to the truth. And the way that we bind the enemy is by speaking to him and telling him that we bind him. The same way that we release the life and light of, of the truth over people is by speaking it. We exercise our authority over the enemy by speaking to him. Okay, so we're going to demonstrate this and we're going to practice this now, okay? Based on what we've learned, <clears throat> we're going to make some confessions over the unsaved. So I want you just to look at your list and take a person from that list that you would like to pray for right now. Okay, now I encourage you to go home and pray these confessions over all of the people that you've written down on your list. Because remember that you are releasing the light and the power of God over those people when you're confessing the word of God over them. Okay, so we're just going to go through some confessions that are also on your handouts and we're going to pray. We're going to release the power of God over these people now, okay? All right, so we might just read it. Actually, no, I'll, I'll say it and if you repeat it after me. Um, okay, let's do it. I take authority over every evil spirit that would try to blind your person's eyes to the truth of the gospel. And I bind you in Jesus' name. Satan, I forbid you to lie to them, to deceive them, or to blind their eyes to the truth. In Jesus' name. And now we're going to enforce God's will for those people and say what God says about them by declaring the word over them. So let's say it together. I believe and declare that your person's eyes are opened and they have turned from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. They receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are set apart by faith in you. Lord, I thank you that your person has the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. The eyes of their understanding are enlightened. They know and believe the love of the Father. Lord, I thank you that laborers are sent across their paths that will share the gospel with them and that they have ears to hear it. In Jesus' name. And see, guys, when you speak those confessions over your, um, the people on your list, you are enforcing God's will in their lives. 
And you might say, but how long do I have to do this for? As long as it takes. (laughs) As long as it takes to see them come to a knowledge of the truth until you see the results that you're believing for, okay? But you know what? God says to hold fast to your confession of faith without wavering because you will reap if you do not give up, amen? So that is two examples, (coughs) excuse me, that is how you can confess the word of God over yourself to develop your passion and your heart for evangelism and confessing the word over unsaved people to to release the light and the power of God into their lives and draw them to salvation and put your foot on the devil's neck and tell him that he can't speak to them anymore. Yeah, amen? Okay, just quickly, we're going to talk about praying in tongues for the lost and then I'm going to hand over to Benny. So again, praying in tongues is another very effective way that we can pray for the unsaved. Romans 8 verse 26 to 27 says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. Now, in the King James Version of this verse, there's actually not a period, there's a a colon, which means that the next part of the verse is going to define what our weaknesses are. And that is that we do not know how to pray as we ought. So that's the weaknesses that the Spirit helps us with. So guess what he does? He makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now we talked about just before that we already know that the will of God is for all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth, but we may not know how to pray for that. We may not know how to to speak divine connections across their paths or how to, you know, um, have someone minister to them in a way that's meaningful to them. Like Benny said, with a a gift or a a cook, uh, you know, a meal or your personality, we may not know how to pray all of that into being, but the Holy Spirit does and he'll do the praying for us. He'll make intercession for us and it's directly in line with the will of God. And why is this so effective? Why is it so effective when we allow the Spirit to pray through us? In 1 Corinthians 14 verse 14, it says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. This is really powerful. You probably know that we are three-part beings. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a physical body. When we got born again, our spirit is the part of us that got born again and transformed. Our spirit now looks exactly like God, our born-again spirit. We are perfect in our spirit. Our body probably didn't change. We have to work on our mind, but our spirit is 100% perfect and flawless, So when we allow the Spirit to pray through us, we are praying a 100% perfect, flawless prayer. Our human understanding is unfruitful. Our, 
our minds can't get in the way of our prayers. You know, often we'll pray in, um, you know, for a person and in the back of our mind we're thinking, oh, that'll never happen. How could that possibly? They are so anti-God. They would never, you know how many arguments you've gotten into over, you know, Christian, over Jesus and they don't want to hear that Jesus stuff. You, your mind's in the back of, you know, your prayers going, yeah, 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 right? You know, right? You've all been there. You've all had that. Well, when we pray in the Spirit, we are bypassing our human reasoning. We are bypassing our human understanding. Doubt and fear and unbelief can't mess up your prayers. You are praying the perfect will of God over those people, and the devil doesn't know what you're praying, and he can't get in your ear and mess it up either. He can't bring thoughts along to try and contradict what you're praying for. So it is an amazing, awesome, powerful way of praying for over a person. So it's very simple and we're going to practice it now, okay? Think of the person that you want to pray in tongues for and let's just take two minutes and pray in the Spirit over those people, okay? Let's go. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we believe what we have, we receive what we have just prayed in the Spirit, that perfect prayer, and we call it done in Jesus' name. Amen. Benny, I'd like to hand over to you. That was, that was very rich. Praying in the, in the Spirit is probably my go-to for praying for the lost, just because of the, the benefits, as Emily mentioned, uh, are so great, that your head can't get in the way. It can't mess up your prayer. You're not praying out of fear and doubt. So that's like the go-to, I'd say, for praying, because it's the most effective way. You're linking up with God who is wisdom, who knows exactly what they need in this season, what they're open to, how much they'll receive, what person, through what method. But um, I'll just be sharing quickly about praying um, with the understanding, which usually comes out from praying in the Spirit. So as you're praying in the Spirit, you may have certain things come up in your heart about that person, which you can pray out in your understanding. So, uh, an example of this would be, while we were just praying in the Spirit, if you're um, checking your heart, you're searching your heart, you have things come up to your mind, because you first get it in the Spirit, which then illuminates your mind. So, it doesn't originate in your mind first, but as you're praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, 
the scriptures tell us that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. So out of your belly, out of your spirit, this is where the, the flow is. This is where the prayers are coming from. But it's out of that place that it illuminates your mind and you go, okay, I need to ask for laborers to be sent across their path. I need to pray that this week that they will see God, they will notice God in their everyday life. So praying in your understanding has to be linked to you being aware of God. You have to be able to transfer from the natural realm, just doing natural things, aware of natural things. As I was mentioning, it's, it's very easy to slip into that vein when you're going to work, when you're driving to work, to be thinking of things around work, but not thinking of the Father and what He wants to do through you. But as you're able to, as you're um, able to be more aware of the Father in our everyday life, this is how we'll be more open and available for the Father to flow through you. God, I feel He's wanting to manifest through us all the time. But the only thing is that sometimes we're not aware of that. And when we're not aware of that, He can't do that. We as the church, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. He wants to move, but He has to find a vessel that is open and willing to be able to move so He can move through them to touch, to bless, to share a kind word acts of kindness. So, being aware of God is absolutely um, integral to being able to pray um, in your understanding. You, and the thing about it is, you don't have to be with them or seeing them in order for this to happen. Um, I, I'll just give an example. Like, I could just be at home, um, just doing my own, you know, chores or whatever I'm doing, looking after the house or... Um, having a meal with my wife and my, my heart could just go out to what had happened at work when I'd seen that person, you know, um, at my shift. And from that, I could just offer up a real quick prayer to God if I'm busy or if not, I can just go away as I'm in another room and I can just start praying in my understanding things that I've noticed, things that I feel the Lord has highlighted to me about that person there was just something a bit different about them this time when I saw them, or it perhaps could have been something that they had mentioned um, in our last conversation that I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, they, they must be, you know, um, going through that test now or they're going to live with that parent now that they were talking about. Just a variety of different things. But the thing is, by being aware of God, He is able to then use you as a vessel to be able to pour his love out, his heart to that person. So that's pretty much what I had on my heart. That the important thing is just being aware of God in your everyday life, whether it's at work, at home, just being able to be available to God 24-7. Could be two in the morning, three in the morning, could be in the early hours of the morning, could be late at night. But as you're aware of God, you'll notice that God will be bringing things up to you all the time about people. He loves people. 
He wants to move through you to bless people. So with that in mind, I'm just going to hand over to Pastor Dean Karen. You know, there is an untapped power in prayer for the lost. Can you imagine what's going to happen as we move forward over the next three months and pray for the people on our list and pray for the people that the Lord adds to our list? I have a list I pray for regularly. I have a list of people I really don't know very well, but the Lord has brought them to me. And I want you to be aware of the fact that he's got people in the wings that you're going to run into that you have never met before that he's assigned to you. And there's an untapped power in your prayer for them so that they can be born again. We'll conclude with the following things. It says in John chapter 3, verse 16, the heart of the Father, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but instead that the world through him might be saved. It says in 2 Peter 3, 9, that he is not willing that any should perish. Our divine assignments for the next three months will be uh, varied based on who we are and what he's assigned you to and the openness of your heart. I'll tell you what, we live in a world where we're surrounded by those who do not know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we have the answer. The easiest way to start, of course, is in prayer. It's something that there's not one of you that can't do. But I'm telling you what, if you really go to the Father about some people who are in great need, you're under assignment. Prayer isn't always the simplest thing where you just rattle a thing or two off and say a confession or two. God has on his heart real people in real need. And he needs us to do business with him. I believe that amazing things are going to take place in the next three months as we partner with God on behalf of the lost. I promise you, I know we're going to shift culture. That we're going to impact the generation in which we live. I believe this is just the beginning. I believe we're engaged with one of God's secrets for the end times, and that is an evangelism revolution. We're going to close in just a moment. I want to give you a little bit of a hint of what's coming up next. Three months from now, you're going to have been with the Father about the heart of some that don't know him yet. You're going to have rich and glorious experiences. I believe you'll see some come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I believe that you're going to find kids to pray for, kids in need, people in shops. You make yourself available. You're going to have divine encounters that you will never, ever be able to pre-anticipate because you and God are going to go on an adventure together that we can only call revolutionary. I believe it's going to take place by the Holy Ghost going to have that power of the word, going to have the power of the spirit and the love of God that is going to be released 
going to be released from you. What's up next? Well, we're going to learn some more ways to lead people to Jesus Christ. We're going to learn about how to disciple in the marketplace. We're going to learn the power of your personal testimony and talk to people about what Jesus has done for you. We're going to learn more about how to cooperate with the Spirit of the living God. We have another assignment coming up that's going to blow you away. Why? Because Rama Family Church is a soul-winning church. We've been placed here on purpose, and we're serious about these things that God has called us to. Right now, we're, we're working on an assignment with individuals. But you know what? Those maps of our state, our city, our suburbs, and our region, we're going to go after them. And we've got another assignment coming up because you know what? We're the church. We're the church, and in this season, we're going to impact the world in our generation because we're going to be the church. Are you ready? If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.